welcome to the Under the Bogan Villa podcast. Here we discuss health and sustainability, practical tools to improve your inner peace and joy, as well as your everlasting footprint on our beautiful planet. Your hosts are myself, Lexi Monselio, and my handsome Viking partner, Lawrence. Please enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of Under the Bogan Villa. Today we are chatting to you guys about my favorite thing in the whole world, which is food. <laughs> um, or rather our relationship with food and diet, culture, etc, etc, etc. So it's me, Lexi Monzelio, and... Just Lawrence. And on the show today, we have with us these two gorgeous ladies that are going to help us uh, dive deep into the world of of food relationships. Can you please introduce yourselves? Yeah, I'm Rieta Haramse, I'm a founding dietitian of En Bon Santé Dietitians. It's a French term. Um, it stands for In Good Health. Okay. And in short, it's EBS Dietitians. I've heard some people say that we are EBS Dietitians. I'm like, just the fact that you know my name makes me happy. So <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's good. But, um, so yeah, EBS for En Bon Santé. Um, yeah. yeah, and then more than a year ago, then then you joined. Yeah, yeah. so my name is Michelle Zitzman, also registered dietitian and hopefully soon a certified lactation consultant. I wrote my exam on Friday. It was very stressful, <laughs> but I'm happy it's over. What, what is that? A lactation consultant, so a breastfeeding consultant. Okay. Yes. I did not know they had consultations yeah. for breastfeeding. Exactly. It's 2022. <laughs> it's a consultant for everything. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I work with Rieta. Rieta and I have known each other for, what's it now? Like no. 10 years? More than 10 More years. More than 10 yeah. years. Yeah, we studied together. We are each other's bridesmaids, so we have Aww. come a long way. <laughs> and now you work together. Now we work together. Yeah. It's awesome. Okay. Yeah. And um, I know we spoke about it a little bit earlier, but you say that it's the perfect relationship yes mm. yes like guys they're even wearing matching jackets <laughs> which was not planned <laughs> but it looks so cute no. very nice actually no, so um i yeah we we always spoke about working together when we were studying and we initially thought like we will have a restaurant and like we spoke about because we also both love food very much <laughs> and cooking and things like that and um yeah and then it just the opportunity came for for michelle to join the team and and um, by that time, I had another dietitian working with me, so it was the three of us. Um, but I have to say that, like, working the two of us, like, it feels when I am excited about something, she meets my level of excitement, and we just ex- escalate from there. So when I told them, like, I have plans, and we're going to do these cool things, and all of that will still come specifically with you, the two of you in mind. So we'll, we'll have all those chats. But I must quickly be honest, when she told me about the meeting with you guys, I was like, was Lexi there? (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. You know, they say you should never meet your heroes, though, because actually she's like a weird, normal person. (laughs) Um, Okay, cool. So, yeah, we're really excited to chat to you guys today. Um, I think, I mean, I'm sure any female and a lot of men, but it's predominantly a female thing, can can have a, a ha, have a very strong relationship to this discussion: diet, mm-hmm. diet culture, body image, um, sustainable lifestyle, like 
looking after your body and, and, and eating healing, like healthy foods as opposed to damaging foods, like all these things. I mean, most women on the planet have, have some kind of distorted relationship with food. I'm going to digress quickly. Okay. <clears throat> there's, there's a lot of societal pressure on women to have a certain look. And I think that fed into why they have a problem or like mostly... No, 100, like 500 Predominantly women in, mm. with this nutrition yeah, of and course, eating disorder of discussion. But that's not to say that it's not applicable to men. Mm. Like no. most men, like 90% of men need to hear this also. Mm. Of course, of course. And it is, I think it's important not to diminish just because it's not spoken about. It's definitely not, not an issue. Mm. So and it's actually, not widely spoken about yeah, yeah, you know, men's body. But it's an issue for everyone. I yeah. Think. Yes. And actually only one, like the three, uh, one in three people get help for their eating disorders. So... Mm. And that is if it's diagnosed eating disorders, like we'll get into disordered eating, which mm. is basically any time when food has control of your life in some way, shape or form. Mm-hmm. And that I would go as far as to say, I think 90% of our society struggles with that. 100%. There was a, mm. a statistic we shared it on our Facebook group I think, or Instagram page like two weeks ago that said, um, it was a statistic done in America that said three in, in four women have a disordered relationship and disordered eating behaviors. So okay. it's very easy to think yeah. I don't have an issue because Definitely. this person next to me is doing this and then you're like actually that person's also wrong. Yeah. But so. also like it doesn't necessarily fall to like the criteria but that to doesn't be diagnosed. Mean, yeah. It's not an eating disorder. Yeah. Or disordered yeah. eating. Because it is like for instance if you think about the typical diagnosis of an eating disorder it should be in the DSM-5 that's the criteria diagnostic criteria where there's a very big part if you have these behaviors i remember this is how screwed up it was like when we studied i thought i match all these symptoms but i'm not underweight so i don't have an eating disorder yeah yeah. it's like it's atypical anorexia Mm, mm. so if people exercise to burn off the calories that's yeah, yeah, yeah. behavior. I mean, listen, we can get into this yeah. discussion about this alcohol is, as well. Yeah. Because 100%. I feel like 90% of South Africa is an act- actually alcoholic yes. in their behavior. Because mm-hmm. this binge drinking is just because it's once a week or twice a week doesn't mean it's the same. Okay, it's yeah. the same problem. It's like, but anyway, okay. okay. I want to get more into the eating disorders <laughs> a little bit later. Getting ahead of ourselves, yeah. But to set some more context for the episode before we get too deep into the into the... The dark stuff. Oh yeah. Um, so we connected with you recently mm-hmm. because Lawrence has been sort of investigating this field a little bit. You want to chat about this connection? Should I just share all the details? Um, so what I want to do essentially is create. I don't. No. I mean. What? <laughs> okay, so I reached out to Rieta because she dated one of my friends and I know she was studying to be a dietitian but I also remember her being extremely clever and the way that she think is very organized and it like resonated a lot with my brain so I, re- I mean okay I'm just gonna interject you can share your plans obviously it's just that there's not a lot coming to fruition very quickly so I didn't want you to yeah. get people excited that's and they the can't... thing people are gonna be so stoked <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing um so I reached out to Rita to chat about like her involvement in some of my future plans uh, with regards to holistic wellness and how nutrition plays a role with it because I feel what I've experienced is a relationship with work can be 
very toxic as well. And mm-hmm. I think we often, as humans, get into a relationship with with anything and overindulge, whether that's work, alcohol, food, and exercise, exercise. Relate, yeah. So we we go all in, which is quite stupid. So. I kind of wanted to reach out to them to ask how do they do things? How do they see things? On the things? food side, On yeah. the food side and the okay. nutrition side. And then, so you guys met at Lexi's mm-hmm. Rosebank. So I was um, in for the day, coincidentally, and was eavesdropping on the whole conversation. <laughs> <laughs> and what, like Lawrence and I both actually have discussed this multiple times after we met you that day. But um, the way you describe people's relationship with food and the longevity of like a healthy relationship was just so clear cut and and right bang fucking on like on the money and not enough diet and I've been to I've I've been to many very well recommended well researched well known um, respected dietitians that don't actually share that view and it's a problem it's it's like it's not it's not normal. I mean, it is. It's too normal to have, and it's the same thing with almost any, with work relationships. What's the solve? Okay, go on anti-anxiety medication so you can manage your work better. Mm-hmm. Um, what's the solve with food? Okay, go on a diet or go on these pills or do this or do X Y Z for six weeks so that you can reach this or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's always these like temporary patches to get mm-hmm. us through, and then people wonder why it's not working. It's like band aid yeah. therapy. Yeah. Yeah. So let's. So why don't you guys chat a little bit more around that and how your practice like envisions mm-hmm. this change in the world and how you want to help people? Yeah, I think something and and Michelle and I have seen this day in day out where the the likelihood of someone coming to us and that being their first consultation ever with a dietitian is the minority and not that I'm saying or dissing so if dietitians are listening like chat to us we have courses and things that we are planning to do like to get more people understanding the psychology behind it but same like Michelle just said band aid therapy that's exactly what we like talking about you can't just look at the symptom oh I have a headache let me drink a panado why do I have a headache? Like, is there an infection? Do I need to solve the infection? Because eating, so whether that's overeating, whether that's undereating or disordered eating is the symptom. We need to understand what is the root cause. If we're not gonna understand that, then it's literally gonna be, we call this form and function. That same function or purpose that the eating behavior is serving will just be served by something else. And like to illustrate this idea, because sometimes I see that people struggle with eating the idea that they have, but it's just my lack of willpower. They internalize all of it. They blame themselves that they can't stick to the diet because everyone else obviously seemed to can stick to it. And then I'm like, if diets worked, all of us would be thin and healthy. (laughs) That's so so true. So ultimately, that's why why it doesn't work, because it's just temporary. It's not something that's really, like, 95% of diets fail. 5% succeed, because those people were able to say, sheesh, I really like this new broccoli dish. I really like this exercise pattern. And then it becomes that dreaded phrase that everyone rolls their eyes for. It should be a lifestyle. The 5% could make it their lifestyle. Mm. The 95% couldn't. And don't blame and internalize yourself. This is the same as if some if you're depressed and someone tells you, have you tried to just be happy? <laughs> and you're like, 
Thank you so much, I ne- that never occurred to me. I'm here now. Thanks. <laughs> that was like, easy. No one told me. <laughs> um, that's the same thing if you tell someone, just don't eat. When you're feeling that, just resist the urge. That thing, that coping mechanism will just take on a different form. That function will just be served by another form. Overworking, overexercising, like social media, TV, whatever that other thing is. So ultimately we should understand why am I doing this? Really be self-aware, really be mindful to actually be able to solve Mm. it. Otherwise, you're just going to jump from the one thing to the other. And we see this time and time and again. Someone who's addicted to alcohol goes to rehab. Now they're addicted to cigarettes. Now they're addicted to something else where we need to go, why am I experiencing this? What is the purpose that this is serving? Mm. Yeah, and also just to add, like, specifically what we do differently is we do not give meal plans. Like, I think that's that's the most shocking thing for people if they come to us, like, and we say, look, we don't give meal plans. They're, like, very, very shocked because that's obviously, like, the expectation from yeah. a dietitian. I want meal plans. I'm going to a dietitian. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And the Diet is, and dietitian will get yeah. into the meaning of that word too. <laughs> but the thing is, uh, we don't give it because, or let me first say, we were trained to give a meal plan. And that's how we've been doing it for years. But I think the more I practice, I was like, just, this is not working. Like, you're not really, I, I didn't feel like I was helping my patients in any way. Mm-hmm. And I was actually thinking, you know, you're not adding to their poor relationship with food, things like this. And that's why I spoke to Rieta about it. I was like, I, I feel like we're missing something. And that's through her. That's how I came to, to eating and things like that. So that's how we completely do things differently is we don't give meal plans. We don't uh, enforce restrictions in any way. We actually focus first on healing your relationship with food. And then we can address the rest of the things. Otherwise, if we don't address that root cause, nothing you're mm. going to do is going to, you're going to be back here or you're going to be back at somebody else mm. for the same thing. Yeah. Mm. Okay, so you just said a, a little phrase there that I remember you saying the other day, intuitive eating. Mm. Let's talk about that a little bit. Mm. So it's actually very cool. I'm enrolled now with the two founders of intuitive eating. So they actually found this concept or coined it in the 1990s already. Um, their names are Eleven, uh, uh, Evelyn Triboli and Elise Resch. So the founding dietitians of intuitive eating. And basically what it comes down to is you listen to your body. You like intuitively, intuition, instinctively you know how to do this. No one needs to tell a baby, when you are hungry, you need to cry and then they feed you. They instinctively know this is crappy, like what the flip is going on? And they let you know about it and you feed them. Mm-hmm. And a breastfed baby pushes away when they're finished. And ultimately, somewhere along the line, we've lost this because of things like finish your plate of food or it's not eating time now or whatever that might mean. And um, so in terms of um, the certification that I'm speaking about is I'm going to be a, a certified intuitive eating counselor but from the two main dietitians in America, because any dietitian can say, I do intuitive eating. Mm. And I don't think that people do that and they do it badly or do it with the intent of harm. But you can do so much damage if you're half in, half out. And that's what we have spoken about so much and actually saying, no, we, if you want to heal someone's relationship with food, 
like that's what you you first have to move this direction to say let's get back in touch with your body so that you can because listen to your body is not just eat when you're hungry stop when you're full i'm like great or my body tells me i'm i'm in the mood for a whole chocolate bar my best one is when Lawrence is like oh i can feel my blood sugar my sugar's low and i need to eat something sugary but, okay but listening to your body I'm, i'm glad that you like brought that point to the discussion because oftentimes when you are trying to listen to your body from a disconnected place that's the same as my car's fuel gauge is broken mm-hmm. i think that my car needs to be filled up right now luckily there's something like automatic stop and you can be like oh actually i was full but there's if you disconnected there isn't that in your body then you can eat way more than such than a good analogy yeah <laughs> or you can actually like the thing is if you run out of fuel in terms of a car you get stranded next to the side of the road our bodies are like Dory Lexi I've got you breaking down your muscle so in terms of that our body literally just tries to flip and get out the fires everything. yeah 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 um, crazy. so we need to get that connection back and when we do that you will realize I'm anxious I'm pushing too hard you will when you get in connection with your body back like what it, as the way that it was supposed to be all the other things will align much easier and that's what we do at the center luckily i have psychologists doing the psychology part but where we physically say yeah. it's not this is your eating window this is your bad foods good foods list so what, like if you're going to eat chocolate every single day your roller coaster of glucose is going to be followed and by yeah. this yeah. is not pleasant, I don't want to do this. We would describe mm-hmm. it as a fixed yeah, so it's, it's a flexible that's focused on adaptive way of eating. We, we call it an interoceptive way. It's really focused on what's going on inside of your physically, body, using all of your sensations and responding to it in a non-emotional way. So specifically, and that's the thing that we really look at is what emotions are actually linked to because we can restrict for emotional reasons or we can overeat for emotional reasons. And the thing is a lot of people when when we talk about the concept of intuitive eating like honoring your hunger always eat when you are hungry you know things like that but then like but you know what if i what if i can't stop like what if i a lot of people actually mm-hmm. have the, like the valid legit fear of but i'm so scared that once i stop um i won't be able to stop eating and that's mm-hmm. actually just a sign of how deprived somebody is and mm-hmm. how restricted somebody is specifically specifically linking to like deprivation the psychology of deprivation we have internalized this as i have a lack of willpower if i like don't allow myself to have something and then when i have it i overeat then i feel so guilty so shameful mm. and we until we realize that is why you are overdoing it mm. so until you just ask yourself like i can have this food at any time there's no need for me to overdo it if i can i just like to interject here and say i know that we have the immense privilege of not ever having been in food insecurity so it's very difficult if like for instance you look at someone who physically does not have yeah. food yeah. and have to tell them eat anything at any time and um, it makes it makes it that much more difficult but that's where you can see the psychology at play and mm. um, and there's a quote that came to mind and um, that's on one of our handouts that i often have to repeat that people can write down because it's just hitting the nail on the head it says if the craving or the urge to eat 
comes from anything else but physical hunger, eating will never satisfy it. Wow. If the problem is hunger, wow. eating will satisfy it. If the problem is, I'm angry at my boss, guess what? After your chocolate, you still have to go face your boss. <laughs> if I'm having like an issue with a family member, you still need to go resolve the issue mm. afterwards. It's still going to be there. It's, as Michelle said, a temporary band-aid. It's not solving anything. Yeah. And it's maybe even adding to your distress. Okay, I have I have a question, a selfish question, because I don't. So I used to have quite an unhealthy relationship with food. Um, I've since, like, it is better. I, I much much better. I definitely have goals of where I'd like to be. You know, like waking up and eating raw fruit only for breakfast, and then like a perfect diet with no processed foods throughout the day, and like everything's homemade and everything's organic. You know, like you you aspire to, and obviously 100% vegan, um, which I'm a little bit like imperfect in in the moment, but. I think for the time being, it's like a convenience thing, which obviously plays into a lot of people's like diet problem or, or, or lifestyle problems is like that, that inconvenience of having to prep your own food, which you can get into the habit of and it's not like an excuse forever. Mm-hmm. But now getting to my question, <laughs> I don't have like a bad relationship with food, but I fucking love to eat. Like I love good food I love croissants and I love like chocolate and I love waffles my god the Lexus waffles and healthy so food you love healthy and food. healthy food and generally all unhealthy stuff you also love all no, the I do also, stuff I'll eat salad like five bottles yes I, and generally the things that we eat are healthy they are like not very processed not high in like processed sugars I mean sometimes there's like too much honey or there's like too many lint sea salt chocolates going around every day <laughs> but it's only like two blocks so it's fine <laughs> anyway the point is if you're sort of in that position what is your view on like people sort of being a little bit more indulging in themselves like I mean like I'm not skinny but I'm not overweight mm-hmm. um, I'm pretty healthy and pretty active but I do I think I eat and indul- I eat indulgently I would say mm-hmm. what it, like how do you guys what's your feelings like what do you view that like how do you yeah I'm just so I don't know what, what my in, question is if you mean indulgent do you just mean eating like more fun foods like processed foods and things like that or do you mean overeating no no I don't mean overeating I mean like like we ordered waffles after dinner two out of seven nights a week which is quite a lot if you think about like a dessert an indulgent dessert Mm -hmm. we do share but and it's irrelevant what it is because it's Mm -hmm. for me it's within my parameters of like a good relationship Mm -hmm. it's fine i don't feel bad afterwards i don't feel unhealthy like there's certain things we don't Mm -hmm. we try not to eat because we know we're gonna feel like shit after Mm -hmm. but that's like it's not you know it's not like rigidly healthy or like what I would think is like a good balance. Do you know, do you know, am I being clear? I, I would say like you get to the point you have dinner and then you really want waffles, but it's not necessarily that you're still hungry. Yes. So the, Okay. That's the thing. So that's the question. Really. Waffles, I'm eating for not taste, not hungry. for hunger. It's a taste thing. But it's not an emotional taste thing. Yeah. It's just like, a, I just want that delicious <laughs> chocolatey thing. Yeah. And then we share one and it's enough. 
and we're done. And like the other day, we ordered one whole one each, and it was yeah. too much. I felt <laughs> ill afterwards. It was, it was too way much. too much. So I mean, yeah. but like what? So that is like an interesting gray area. I'm, yeah. It's sort of what I'm posing here. Is it a gray? Area? Is it a gray area? <laughs> I think people make it um, sorry very black and white. Like I don't know what it is about human beings, but we want to have this. 100% perfect, very strict, all or nothing thing when we change our diets or when we exercise and things like that. But if we think about it, we don't really have to do that. We, mm. I usually talk about doing something most of the time. Like, you don't have to always do it most of the time. If you mm. eat plant-based foods most of the time, whatever else you eat in between there is not really going to make or break your health or your weight or anything like that. And you know, sometimes, sometimes we might eat after the taste and things like that. But and that's fine. I don't have a problem okay. with that at all. Specifically, one thing that um, I don't do it as frequently as you do, but the that questionnaire to actually say, like, there's a specific questionnaire. We can even share it with you that mm. you can complete and see. Do I maybe have? like an issue with food where some some people would come into the office and say i don't have an issue at all and then we do their questionnaire and then we're like not my need actually to look at this thing i mean i think everyone mm. is, like with anything my belief is everyone is on some sort of a spectrum right yeah. Yeah. so i mean there's people that are closer to like a net zero like mm. our friends rob and dave who we actually had on our lot last year or a couple episodes ago I don't know what order we were releasing all this <laughs> but um, they are super fit super shredded and have a very happy chilled relationship with food they mm. probably eat more intuitively because they don't eat a lot mm. but they do go out and like sometimes will splash out of it and obviously we maybe maybe it is it could also be like an emotional thing because when you're in like a routine that you're not happy with like a work routine or you're under stress could be I mean yeah. I'm sure if you filled in the questionnaire yeah it would but but the point is it's like within a, a manageable realm it's not like detrimental at the moment because I can tell you actually if I and Michelle can weigh in on this if I see someone and they just give me this perfect version of a diet then I would actually start considering do you have orthorexia an obsession, unhealthy obsession with eating just healthy foods. That's a thing? It's not a diet, it's It's not not part of the diet. It's not on the DSM. But But how, how is that a negative thing? To be honest, like how, they, they're probably so going to say it's okay. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Let's rip this to shreds. No, no. So the moment when your diet, if you're eating this perfect, beautiful, plant-based, no processed foods diet and you don't feel deprived, you're not restricted, you're eating this and this is a sustainable lifestyle and you enjoy doing that um, and it's not causing you any anxiety and any fear, then I wouldn't be concerned. But for the general person with orthorexia, they would not go eat out where they not have made the food themselves. They would not be able to eat in another person's kitchen if the person uses oil, for example. Mm, So in terms of that, um, one of my favorite things, I think I said at least like 10 times a week, is health isn't health if mental health isn't included. The psychology oh my of God, it that is comes beautiful. Yeah. in so much <laughs> yeah. like, throughout this whole conversation. Mm. The psychology is like the base layer there. Mm. But I can add to that, like, because personally I had anore- uh, not anorexia, orthorexia when I was 16 years old. And 
it was so I wasn't binging wasn't purging wasn't like not eating nothing I literally had specific foods that were healthy that was on my list that I can eat but if anything was out of that realm I would become so distressed like I one time I ate an apple for a snack as I didn't use to snack and I had so much distress like you can't function and that clearly just shows your relationship with food mm. if, if your relationship with food causes you any distress or any shame or any fear or anything like that you know there's a problem and you need mm. you need to look into it plus mm. your weight plummets if you eat like that yeah so okay that's interesting okay i have another question kind of going a little bit in a different direction but we sort of touched on it a few times so it's obviously it's about eating plant-based because everyone I mean, a lot of dietitians do not prescribe to plant-based being an option for like a good, healthy option for people because it doesn't have all of the inverted commas, proteins and macros and shit that you need. But I know that you, Rieta, follows like a plant-based diet sort of most of the time. And I'm not sure. I'm vegan. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> now I'm excited. Did you not know this? No, I didn't know you were vegan. Yeah. I mean, yeah, okay, cool. So, tell us why. <laughs> T- tell yeah. us, yeah, maybe your general feeling about a plant-based diet and then why you chose to opt. Yes, yeah, let's do like your, your business view, what you would impose on other people, yeah. and then your personal view, because obviously yeah, yeah. it's different mm-hmm. sometimes. So, I think in terms of like what we as a practice feel is we know that, like I've, I've said this so many times to people, we never disputed that fruits and vegetables are good for people. Like, if they're like so surprised now, then I'm like, we've never disputed that fact. <laughs> we've always wanted people to do that. I'm just so glad because now vegetarian and vegan eating and the fact that there is a rise in people adopting a more plant-based diet is the fact that now vegetables have gone from being the supporting act to being like the main star of the show. So mm. I, I love that. And like specifically, Michelle loves legumes and pulses, so she'll get into that. So that's also <laughs> something that I think is amazing. If we look at the view of why it's good for, for our patients, and you can interject here, but is the fact that if you go look at the um, like lower amounts of saturated and trans fats, it's better for heart disease, it's better for glycemic control for our diabetic patients. Um, better for um, if you're gonna follow a less processed, because it's very possible to follow a very highly processed vegan diet. But yeah. that's why vegan and plant-based are different, right? Yes. Because it is, it's about what you're actually focusing on What's putting in source? your body. Yes, so exactly. vegan actually tells us what you don't eat, whereas yeah. plant-based tells us what, what you, you do eat. eat. Yeah. And that's why I actually also like the word where we focus on, um, we would always try and word something in a positive way, where we would say, instead of saying, don't do that, what is it that you can do? I listen to your podcast on the Good Things Guys. So. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, and so, but we like to say, instead of saying you can't have this, so besides the fact that we don't say that, is we say, you can have this. And that is ultimately, if you look at the foods that you include on a plant-based diet, people are going to be healthier. So in terms of gut health, 95% of your serotonin is produced in your gut. What? So, yeah. That is nuts. So that is why, in terms of a plant-based diet, it's linked to better like in in terms of immunity as well a lot of your immunity resides in your gut so gut health definitely at the forefront 
I do think, however, one thing that uh, that we caution on is a lot of times it's very nice to say I'm plant-based or vegan or vegetarian um, almost as a guise of being able to restrict food. So that's what we are also cautious of and why we ask different questions to probe. Why are you following this? Is it just an excuse to tell your family, I can't eat that because that's not (laughs) not plant-based because you are actually in an active eating disorder Mm. so that's something that we are concerned about and so you can maybe add yeah i I think well i actually think well all dietitians will promote a plant-based way of eating doesn't matter like high fat low carb you know any if if your eating patterns emphasize whole plant foods then we know you're going to be you're going to get all the nutrients you need you're going to get fiber you're going to get um phytochemicals which is also found in in all plant-based foods and those are the two reasons why it's so beneficial so actually funny enough the the south african food-based dietary guidelines actually say have you seen with 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 legumes they talk about all healthcare professionals should encourage their patients to eat legumes because it is some of the most um, mm. like superfoods that you yeah, can find most economical yeah, yeah, yeah. superfoods yeah. and they're like blanch or blood sugar spiking they're the yeah. most concentrated form of fiber so um, that's like we we promote plant-based eating and, and if somebody wants to lose weight or just be healthier things like that that's the route we would take whichever way the patient wants to take it with their flavors cuisines preferences they can they can start yeah. it to their own liking but that's what we would give education about is mm. okay, but what types of food what is a healthy diet and why, why is that how does it meet the prerequisites for a healthy diet for mm. example so yeah mm-hmm. and I think specifically you, you brought protein into the discussion so that is the, the reason why I opted for a more plant based diet so yeah more than nine months ago now so almost 10 months that I went for a checkup. So actually back when I knew you, Lawrence, mm-hmm. I um, was randomly admitted to uh, the hospital with a kidney infection. I just thought that I had lower back pain, so I just continued drinking pain meds. And then when I couldn't walk anymore, was like admitted to the hospital. And then I was in acute renal failure. They then said, um, like, kept me overnight, like, stabilized the kidneys, put me on a drip, everything. And ultimately, I was discharged two days later and never thought, I thought, like, someone else had bronchitis. I just had a kidney infection. No one told me I need to test again every year after that. So that was 2014. So last year, 2021, when I tested my kidneys, my GFR, like, that's your filtration rate was really low, um, enough to be classified as chronic kidney disease. But you can only diagnose it if it is constantly low for a period of longer than three months. So then we actually went back on some blood tests where previous doctors have told me, oh, you maybe just ate too much salt and didn't drink enough water today. And I'm like, I'm a dietitian. I know what's too much salt. (laughs) Um, But I dismissed it because I thought, okay, they actually found my iron deficiency which is, by the way, your kidneys are responsible for making iron. So in terms of that is where that was why the iron was low. So when you need to reduce the load um, on your kidneys, you actually need to follow a low protein diet. So where a lot of people are very focused on meeting their protein goals. Let me just put this out there that 0.8 grams Um, Yeah, 0.8 gram per kilogram is the recommended daily allowance 
for protein for all individuals. So if you're training a bit higher, but I've seen people go excessive to two grams above two grams, that's a really high load on your kidneys and take it from me, I didn't experience any symptoms. So it's really called the silent killer because the next thing you know, you're on dialysis. So not to be the doom and gloom, but no, tell guys, them. <laughs> it's important. Um, so for me, it is actually difficult to stay under my protein requirement sure so like which we spoke on a plant-based diet it's still difficult which diet. shows you that you're getting that people are getting enough protein you're getting right? way than, than enough protein like i i looked at this recipe um the other day like uh, we spoke about it michelle made a soup that had tofu and beans and like and she said maybe that's very high in salt for you and then i said and, uh, and very high protein <laughs> It's one of those things that I just realized. People think that it's really tough. You need to eat, and especially in South Africa, you need to eat these amounts of steak. Guys, it's really not difficult to get your protein requirement. I used to eat like three boiled eggs, four chicken breasts, and rice for like a lunch mm. when I was for, what, for lunch for one meal yeah well it was oh one meal God. yeah okay and then you think about that like the amount of protein like if I cap it to like try and space it out across the day it's like four four boiled eggs so four cups and now I think in terms of how full you sustain full and sustained you are on four boiled eggs versus four like I want to say four half cups, but two cups of legumes spread out across the day. So, yeah, I I think that that's a really big misconception that people have. And just to say, I've tested now about a two or so weeks ago, and the kidney function did improve. Not to the values where I'm not like chronic kidney disease anymore, but it did improve. And Hopefully I remember my doctor yeah. actually said. I don't know what you did. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> this is the problem. You. The doctors don't know what's going on. That's the problem. So Another problem. Another, another problem. problem. One so, of the many problems. But yeah, so ultimately with that, actually being able to physically see the difference that it can make um, is quite, quite motivating to, to know that yeah, it's not yeah, yeah. just... I'm feeling this or um, being able to see that effect in your own life. So I'm encouraging all the listeners, see the effect in your life too. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I chose to go vegan about three years ago because I'm somebody who sort of, I cringe if somebody wastes something, like it really bothers me. Like I remember when I was um, still in a hostel, my one friend was like washing dishes and like just opening the tap and the water was just like running and I was just like, please don't, this is close it, just close it. Oh, my husband, this is something that I had to adapt to and eventually speak to him about. Like when he brushes his teeth, he, he brushes and then he leaves the sink open and like I couldn't function if he did that. <laughs> Michelle, Michelle also lived in Cape okay. Town during the, <laughs> yeah. during the drought. So. Yeah. That change lives, that thing. I actually wanted to just make my kitchen more sustainable, like lighter footprint on the planet, less waste, things like that. Um, So obviously reading up about it, it was inevitable for me to come to animal cruelty. And that was like, eventually I started reading Becoming Vegan by uh, Brenda Davis, which is a very, she's a like well-known vegan dietitian. Um, And they specifically talk about 
oh, you know, the, the cruel practices of the, um, uh, the industry, um, factory farming and things mm. like that. And I literally, I could not read it. Like, I skipped through it. And I literally made a change overnight. So I think that was like the turning point for me. Yeah. yeah. Okay, that's yeah. cool. <laughs> sure. Well, I just want to add, just in terms of protein, that you asked, like, for example, in our industry, what's mm. the view on that? That that is one of the the concerns. Is it's, but you're missing out. I think the overall theme yeah. is it's not adequate. Mm. But yeah. we know now that it is. We, and, and then we think about something like, for example, um, like the healthy fat. So you can meet your omegas. So you yeah. can. If you specifically combine your iron with vitamin C, you can enhance your iron absorption. Um, so vitamin D and calcium, if you buy cal- fort- fortified um, plant-based milks, you have enough calcium. Vitamin D, we are in a tough space with that these days. So that's, well, like, I would say evaluate, yeah. rather like get your biochem, like your blood tests to actually decide, am I going to supplement but people are like, oh, no, no, no. You have to take hands full of pills. That's so unhealthy. And then you're like, yeah, that's another So what about your chronic well. medication? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. People are, people are completely irrational when it comes to... Mm-hmm. when it comes to Yes. Yeah. It's, I mean... Ugh. But the reality is we know now that we don't need meat to survive. <laughs> we, yeah. can, we can thrive by just eating plant-based foods. The only thing is we need a B12 supplement. That's mm-hmm. like that's, yeah. the, that's the non-negotiable. Um, and then there are some nutrients that you just need to give a little bit more extra attention to, mm-hmm. just like just like any other diet. Yeah. It's not like, because when we, talked about, when we talk about a well-planned plant-based diet, people are like, no, but now you have to put a lot of effort in it. But, but you also have to with eat your yeah. eating pattern. <laughs> Always. Yeah, the people that are arguing with you about this are generally the people that are eating steak and chips every day. So what are and they? Are, what are they even saying? I they're getting nothing just, in they that. They also have nutrient deficiencies like vitamin D. <laughs> Every other nutrient and on the planet, <laughs> because all they're getting is trans fats and protein and amino and, acids or whatever. Yeah. And the big thing that I've just said, um, like if people are so concerned about health, why are you drinking? Why are you smoking? Mm-hmm. Why are you not sleeping enough? Also, why are you eating <laughs> deep fried? The f- deep fried food gets me, man. Mm-hmm. People don't know how that, like, so we eat pretty healthy. I mean, I we use a lot of olive oil when we cook because mm-hmm. I'm Italian, so it's mm-hmm. just how it is. But <laughs> but the... You can't change it. It's you just can't how change it. Is. Olive oil how it is. helps to absorb some nutrients. Well, so that's go. good for you. <laughs> but I've noticed if I have, like, um, other, like bad oil blends or mm. anything fried from a restaurant like I'll do it sometimes just because life is short and sometimes mm. you just gotta socialize and get over the shit like but and that's I, a sign of a good and healthy diet and not orthorexia so <laughs> yeah <laughs> but nice. but the thing is I feel like trash afterwards like mm. my phlegm flares up because the fat like reacts so badly to my because I have like a sinus mm. it's so intense that I yeah. actually just don't but that's actually not. like forms part of intuitive eating as well it's actually like how does this food make me feel mm. like because when people when, when people think yeah. oh but i can eat what it because i'm sorry a part of it's mixing <laughs> in here now but in un- unconditional permission to eat is part of intuitive eating you are allowed to eat anything whenever you want 
whatever you want. And then people are like, oh, but, so I'm only going to eat McDonald's. Yes, maybe for, <laughs> maybe for the first week, but you're going to feel terrible yeah. after that. You're going to actually then start noticing this doesn't make my body feel good. Yeah. So that yeah. is actually noticing like how food makes you feel is part of intuitive eating as well. Yeah, and I think that shift to, okay, I'm allowed to eat anything, but now I'm going to respect myself enough to not just treat my body like shit and it really is it is that it is because i know when i'm eating poorly and even if it's just high sugary things or whatever like too much of one thing not enough of another thing like even if like we get the fussy vegan tofu mayos Mm -hmm. all the time but they're not like they're gluten-free and they've got protein and whatever but they've got mayo and they've been fried and they're like one two-dimensional food or three Mm -hmm. you know it's not like you're getting all your nutrients from that so i know that if we eat that for two days three days in a row gonna feel good feel good but and allowing yourself to go there not feel good and go okay cool i've done it i'm not gonna do that again anytime soon because i respect myself and i don't want to feel like this and it changes the like conversation as well which is so important i think that's having compassion with yourself it's saying okay i maybe ate this and i didn't feel good or maybe i over ate a little bit no, I'm just going to go on honoring my body with the next meal. Not saying you are so terrible, you have no self-control, how exactly. dare you and yeah. feel like guilty and shameful and things like that. Because then, you know, okay, maybe your relationship with food and your body is, it's it's hinging on the negative side. Yeah. So. I encourage people to externalize it. Would you have said that to a friend? Look at you, lack of self-discipline, blah, 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 blah. And then people are like, no, like that's super abusive. Then I'm like... Yeah, you're yeah, yeah. <laughs> doing them to yourself. No, it's crazy. Like, so. I can't believe this. So it seems to be no, no matter what podcast topic we discuss, it comes back to your internal dialogue. Mm. It's like always the answer. It's your mind and how you treat yourself. It's like basically how you get through. I have a quote for this, name. There's a lady, I love her, Brene Brown. She says, talk to yourself like you would talk to someone you love. And I've adapted this quote slightly that I said, feed yourself like you would feed someone you love. Oh my word, goosebumps. <laughs> oh, even me, what a banger. I think on that beautiful note, we'll close it off. Mm-hmm. So if you guys have any last thoughts or like kind of um, what you'd like to just leave. I, 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 or whatever people should check out. Or Yeah, yeah. definitely also where, where people can find you, how they can look you up, where you are on Instagram. Um, and yeah, just your last kind of thoughts and then we'll wrap it up and yeah I think something that I I often like to share as I tell patients that you know you need to eat to live so that means that you're going to do it for the rest of your life so you might as well do it well so if there's ever a time to change your relationship with food it was 20 years ago (laughs) but the next best time is now so change your relationship with food come see us we are in saxon world on oxford road um, oxford healthcare center um, both michelle and i and um yeah we are on as i said in bonsante dietitians but it's ebs dietitians on on instagram and i want you to say about the counseling skills because i think that that links in with if dietitians want to get on board with this type of thinking oh, okay so specifically for dietitians so yeah, yeah if- but but for everyone else as well but but now for yeah. the cpd event okay okay my thoughts just ending off is i just want to remind people that you know yes we eat for nutrition and for health but we also eat for satisfaction like food is one of those wonderful thing, wonderful things in life that we get to enjoy mm-hmm. um and we don't have to go all all or nothing and 
foods like takeaways and more processed foods are part of a healthy diet as well because we get to enjoy it um and then yeah just for for dietitians listening um we are having a counseling skills cpd event on the 19th of october so if you're interested in that you can also go and um, dm us or check out our instagram page all the information is mm-hmm. is there yeah just adding to the the counseling skills is that's the way that we counsel patients with this way of like working and so things like intuitive eating filters through through that but we will be having like monthly cpd events next year so cpd stands for continuous professional development yes oh yeah that points you have to get per year okay Okay, that's amazing um okay cool well i really enjoyed this chat thank you guys so much for joining us hopefully we'll have you back on regularly to deep dive into some more yes detailed and like we just scratched the surface yeah yeah. (laughs) i mean it was it was great so yeah Lawrence, do you want to close us off with a thought or just the closing line whatever you want baby Huh. You're putting me on the spot every single time. I, sh- I feel like I should be prepared for this. Um, I have, I don't actually have something. You have nothing. I have nothing. Okay. I have nothing today. I can't do this every time this happens. I have nothing today. Okay. Um, this has been really encouraging for me. That's my takeaway. I think um, often it's all negative when it comes to these talks and it's like, oh, I have to get better. I have to be better. I have to be better. I'm gonna be, like, I have to fix this or do that or improve that, which obviously we do want to do, but the way you guys approach it just makes it feel like it's possible to have a great, healthy relationship with food. And I think um, for anyone listening, you know, that's a big takeaway to know that that, that is real. And yeah, I think that's it. That's basically it. We're going to give a little greeting. Everyone uh, sign your name off. I'm so sad that I don't have anything to say. I'm sorry, baby. You'll think about it. Maybe we can add it to a little clip at the end. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, this is Lexi Monzelio coming to you from Under the Boga Villa and... Just Lawrence. And And Michelle. Bye-bye, everyone. (laughs) Thank you so much.